Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Good morning. It's good to be at Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We're excited to be here. My family, my wife, and my kids are here. And I have an admiration for Allison right now, taking care of the four kids alone during worship. And they're not used to this a lot of times. So if you get a chance after worship to go over and speak to Allison and speak to the kids, then please do so. You'll enjoy that, I'm sure. And if you are very active and have a lot of patience, you'll enjoy talking with them and playing with them as well. But we're excited to have them here. Last time was I was here a year and a half ago in 2016, I wasn't able to bring the kids and Allison. I don't think they made the trip with me. And so we're excited that they're here this morning and we're enjoying our time here with the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ here in Haleyville. It's good to be back in Haleyville. And we've got a busy day today, but enjoyed spending time with the leaders this morning in the Bible class and now worship. I'm also enjoying today because once again, we get to talk about Cusco, Peru. We get to talk about something that's very close to me. And I know that I was speaking with the elders earlier this morning. We've worked together in Cusco, meaning myself and the church here, for about nine years now. We we uh, began working with you all in training before we were sent out to Cusco. And then after that, we spent a year there in language and, and cultural adaptation. And then uh, after that, we spent seven years. So we've been in Cusco for eight. And then the church plant is a little over seven years old. And we're enjoying life and work there. But there are new developments we'll get into this morning and announcing some of the changes that are happening in Cusco, some of our plans as well. I'll mention that too. But before we do that, I, I think it's best, instead of just jumping into a report and information and data and numbers and so forth, I think it's good to give a little bit of context about what we're talking. And so we'll look at, as we think about this this morning, we'll look at uh, goals and vision. I want to talk about goals and vision this morning and thinking about the work in Cusco. There's a few words we could use to describe and define goals and vision. These words are very familiar to you and the concepts aren't new to me. I, I learned these from others. And so thinking about these concepts and these and, and the vision, we could define them in the following goals. First of all, the present. It describes our current circumstances. So if we're in the present we could see obstacles, and we could define the present through what's going on, the, the, the highs and lows. This is the present, and it's the reality. A lot of times we move past the present and move on to other things when really we don't know our current circumstances. So we have to start there. Then there's the probable future. It defines the current destination 
where we're headed. So if we make no changes, we're in the present, we're on a course to this probable future. We're probably going to arrive to this destination. And then in that, there are possible futures. And so in the probable is there, but there's this general area of possible futures. So if we made some changes and altered the course, there are some alternative destinations. We could arrive there as well. And then finally, there's a preferred future, and that's our desired goal. So a goal, a definition, is the image of our preferred future. We have possible, and we have probable and preferred in the present. So if you're confused by all those words that start with P, there's a little image there. As I said, it didn't begin with me, all these things, but this is the idea. We're in the present, perhaps it's 12 months later, uh, some kind of time span. But if we don't change, make any decisions, there's a probable that we're going to arrive to, but there's also the goal. And a lot of times we're frustrated, maybe in life, in the family, or career choice, or local church, or in my uh, context, in mission work, we're frustrated because we can't arrive to the goal, the preferred future. Why is that? It's because we're not doing what we need to do to be able to move to a probable or preferred future. There's a few conclusions we could make about this, but first I want to illustrate it through Scripture and thinking about these different ideas. First of all, you'll look at one in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3. We know the context there is that the Egyptians have enslaved the Israelites and the Israelites have experienced many years in Egyptian bondage. And the people are God are, are suffering and they're crying out to God for help. And so God appears to his servant Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And he mentions this to Moses. He says, my people are crying out to me for help. And so he says, the present circumstance is much slavery and suffering. But then he gives us a preferred future, a goal. But I will draw them out using Moses as a leader. I will draw them out and show them, bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. What is that? That's the goal. That's the preferred future. That's where they want to be. They think at the time things change in the wilderness. And so we see in there possible futures. There's a preferred one, but there's also possible futures. And so a whole generation dies out of the Israelites, a wicked generation before they arrive to the goal. So we see that in the Exodus story. We also see that in our story. For example, in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, Paul is, is uh, teaching us about our exodus and salvation. And he says, for while we were still weak, that's the present circumstance, our weakness, our state of sin, being an object of God's wrath, as Paul says also in Ephesians. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. And we could say those are possible futures. Those are hypothetical situations to get Paul's point across. He does, he's not laying out what we've seen earlier, but I'm just illustrating that we can see these elements in our story as well as in the Exodus. And then he gives us the goal. 
But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And don't you want that as your preferred future? Christ's salvation through his death on the cross? And so that's something that we're orienting ourselves towards as we think about our future. That's our goal. A few conclusions before we jump into a report about Cusco. And you can see how this lends itself to giving an explanation of what's going on in Cusco. But first, as we think about that, we can say the following. The Bible is full of stories about the present, probable future, possible futures, preferred futures. So we could illustrate this through many stories because there's always this tension and drama of an individual in the center of God's story that's trying to reach the goal. And then there's this probable future, this this shadow that's hanging over everyone, and this conflict of change that happens in the biblical story. Second, at the heart of the conflict between the present and the preferred future is this challenge of change. So there's this course that leads from the possible to the probable. It's going to happen unless we change. And so we have to alter the course to be able to arrive to another destination. And finally, we could say that mission work is about change and that it goes into a present context and presents a preferred future. That's why I love mission work. Because we go to cultures and nations where perhaps rarely they hear the name of Jesus and there's a lost people there and we go in there and present the preferred future, the hope and salvation of Jesus. And I wouldn't do anything else. That's what I want to be a part of. Talking about that, now we can get into the work in Cusco because there is an easy application here Thinking about 10 years ago when we established five overarching goals, we were looking at the present saying we have to make changes in our target city of Cusco. First, we'll look at the present. Let's look at the present. I looked at a few studies that uh, some are very recent, some are a little outdated, but they gave us a good definition of our present circumstance. And so we'll look at the following three studies I drew out just a few conclusions. First, one study said the following. The church has decreased by 6.2% since the years 2003-2012. This is the church in the United States, the Church of Christ. It's decreased by 6.2%. That should trouble us as we think about the present circumstance. Later on in the study, it said that we have lost, during that time span of nine years, 708 congregations. So some are going to others, some have lost their faith, some have have removed themselves from the church of Christ, but we have lost as a result 708 congregations in the churches of Christ in the United States. Therefore, a drop of 6.2%, such a small amount of time as well. I know that missionaries usually don't come here and give these kind of numbers. We're supposed to be encouraging and, and asking for more support and help and so forth. But this is the reality, <coughs> the reality. And a lot of times what we want to do is paint a perfect picture when in reality we have to dig up the current circumstance, the present, so we can understand what needs to be done. Another study, uh, which looked at some things outside 
the United States, still in the Churches of Christ, said that 300 fewer missionary families between these two years, uh, between 1975 and 1996. That's a little outdated. But what it said was in 1975, we had 800. 1996, we had 500 missionary families. So we're seeing a drop in mission efforts as well. And last of all, this was a study taken from 2017. A very good study, and it said that there are only 26 congregations in the whole country of Peru. 30 million. And in those 26, there are represented a membership of 1,276, more or less. That's difficult to understand, too. How can that happen? After everything that's been done and working in Peru, we see that amount of growth or lack of growth. So the present circumstance speaks out to us and tells us we have to do more. We have to make some changes, some significant changes. We have to go in with intention and with urgency as we think about the work in the kingdom. Not just in Peru, but all over the world. We need to do more, and we can do more. Thinking about this, let's turn to Cusco specifically, and let's outline these five major goals. I've mentioned them probably six or seven times from this pulpit. And so you're familiar with them, but we outline everything with these five goals. We established them ten years ago. We haven't made changes with them. We've made changes in objectives and mission and so forth, but these five goals have stayed the same. And so they've been a a map for us in our work. Let's look at the first one. We said 10 years ago, thinking about the work in Cusco, we said that as a mission team, our goal is to target middle class heads of households. And I've always said, thinking about this, I've always said that we target everyone. We, We do not discriminate against a socioeconomic class. But... What we saw in surveying Latin America was that the church needs more leadership, biblical leadership. We saw a lack of men in all of the congregations in Latin America. And we saw maybe an 80-20% difference. 80% women, 20% men. And women are very important to the kingdom. We need women who can lead. But we look at biblical leadership and we also need men who can be elders and deacons and evangelist in the local church. And we're frustrated sometimes in the United States by the lack of leadership and organization and mission works internationally. But really, this is the problem. We do not target men sometimes. We just receive what comes to the church. And we need to think differently. In thinking about this, uh, we have looked over the last several years and have seen that in the past seven years, 136 individuals have been baptized and added to the church, the Congregation Lord's Church in Cusco. And recently, another was baptized as well in Cusco while I was here. And so a lot of growth and a lot of it has been intentional in reaching out to middle class heads of households. For example, there was one individual who surprised us in his visiting our worship service one morning, and we saw the picture of goal number one there. We saw this man, Fidel, his wife, and three kids there. And we don't get that in Cusco a lot. Just a surprise visit. We learned later on that he had been invited by his brother 
who wasn't there at the time worshiping with us, but it was a great thing to see. And I introduced myself when we began talking, and he began studying the Bible with one of my teammates and put on Christ in baptism just a couple of months ago. So here is a picture of the goal we're reaching towards. This is Fidel and his uh, wife and two of their three kids there, pictured right after his baptism in ice-cold water in a river up in uh, Cusco in the mountain there. But this was great news. This is what we're trying to do in Cusco. Reach out to men and their families and the whole city as we target middle-class heads of households so that we can have future elders and deacons and evangelists in Cusco in the church there. Number two, goal number two is we believe that establishing a self-sustaining congregation of three to 500 members will provide a powerful force for even more church plants by the Peruvian members. Another frustration we heard a lot in supporting churches, sending missionaries overseas was that it was never an autonomous local church. What can we do differently in reaching our preferred future instead of this probable future of falling in into the cycle of dependent churches on the church in the United States. And we saw that there was a lack of numerical growth in these congregations. For example, if you took that number 49 that I mentioned earlier from the study, 49 congregations or, excuse me, 26 congregations in Peru, the whole nation, and you did the math, you would see that there is an average of only 49 individuals per congregation in Peru. And those are congregations that are 30 years old, some 40 years old. And the ones I've seen are a lot lower a lot of times. And so we ask the question, how can we develop an autonomous congregation that's so small? With leadership, with elders and deacons and evangelists, and something that can support itself financially. And so we began working towards this. In 2013, we had an average attendance of 65. In 2017, we had an average attendance of 96. And then at the beginning of this year, we've averaged around 100, more or less. And so we're beginning to see more and more growth throughout the years to be able to sustain and reach this goal of three to 500 members. And we're getting there. We're going to reach it. It just takes time as we think about the work there in Cusco. We've had to eliminate goals. We've had to be creative. We've had to uh, think about our space problem in the auditorium there. We're in an old restaurant. Restaurant used to be there. We're there now. And so it, there's not a lot of space there. And Cusco doesn't have a lot of facilities to house even 100 people at one time. And so we've had to be creative. We've added on a morning worship service. We've also began a building program, which some have been asking about that. And some here are supporting that building program. I'll mention, I'll mention that in just a minute. But these are things we have to do to be able, changes we have to make to be able to alter that course and arrive to the goal, the preferred future. Another goal, number three. Our goal is to replace ourselves. The training of Peruvian leadership is interwoven into everything we do as missionaries. If we're trying to do something, there's always a Peruvian by our side to replace us in what we do. This is a painful goal for us as we think about how we poured our heart and soul into the work there, but it is all has the end goal of being replaced. We've done several things in the last year and a half 
and working towards this goal. First, last year, we had uh, a campaign that was unique. We always have a medical campaign every March. We have about 60 campaigners. There's one coming up in two weeks. I got to get back to Cusco so I can show up at the airport to meet these people who are coming uh, from the U.S. But we have a big campaign, and the Peruvians work alongside of us, and they enjoy it, but they began saying, you know, we could do a campaign like that. We began hearing this and began thinking about this goal. We need to replace ourselves. Are we allowing them to do that? And so they organized, they implemented, and they executed an excellent campaign. They did several things. They went to the market and reached out to those in the market who had need. And they also um, gave things out to the people in the market about the church. They also went to uh, public schools and painted the schools. They did other things like they went on the buses. They got on the buses and handed out free bus passes and talked to the individuals there about the church and handed out brochures about the church. And so much good was done during that week. But it was all about replacing ourselves, allowing them, us stepping aside and allowing them to take the forefront of the work. Another example of this are the group home home Bible studies that we have throughout the week. And this is about creating more Christian community and also Bible study. And we had six at the beginning of last year. We made some changes, and now we have 13. They're Peruvian-led, and they're discipled by missionaries. And a lot of one-on-one studies come out of these group home Bible studies. And much good is being done as we think about future leadership. Also, another thing, we asked the question long ago, how can we raise up Peruvian preacher evangelists? And as a result, we now have two. But we also asked, how can we raise up elders and missionaries so that we can plant more churches? Begin asking these questions and thinking critically and changing that course so we could arrive to this goal. And so we built out our leadership pathway system. And now we have courses and discipleship opportunities to be able to raise up elders and missionaries. We have some on those pathways so that in the future we can have more organization and more biblical leadership. I mentioned the preacher evangelists that we have. There's Elvis and Percy. Elvis is pictured with his wife there, Yolanda. They were sent out by the church two years ago to Central America to a Bible institute to study. And they've returned from that, and now they're working on staff in Cusco along with the missionaries. So it's not just a missionary staff but rather it's a Peruvian uh, missionary staff. And so we have a mix as we're making this gradual change and transition from a missionary-led church to a Peruvian-led church. Last of all, I mentioned earlier about transitions. This is going to be, 2018, a difficult year for us thinking about the future because those families who began the work eight, eight years ago are now leaving at the end of this year. And so the Kaisers, Allison and myself and our kids, are leaving and returning back to the U.S. at the end of this year. Also, Gary and Jennifer Reeves, another missionary family that flew down with us eight years ago, they're returning at the end of this year, as well as a a young lady, Corinne Phineas, she's returning with us as well. Fortunately, we planned towards this. Three years ago, we began recruiting. And there are three... Very talented, excellent missionary families there 
who are going to carry on the 15-year missionary presence and going to reach the end of these goals that we've outlined this morning. And there are also, as I mentioned, the two Peruvian families. And so that's why there's a big picture of all these people, individuals here. This is at our last planning retreat just a few months ago as we were getting ready for 2018. But this is a very unique picture because it presents two sides or two different teams that are making this transition together. So keep us in your prayers as we think about 2018, 2019. It's going to be a tough and painful transition for everyone. But it's a part of this goal, replacing ourselves as missionaries with Peruvians. Fourth, thinking about these goals, number four, I mentioned earlier, a strategy that is specifically important in a Latin American context is securing a permanent location for the church to meet. We've said before, we mentioned it here, the church, uh, the Peruvian church, can raise up spiritual leaders, they can serve their community, they can reach out to their friends and family, they can do a number of things, but securing a permanent location, especially in a city as expensive as Cusco, is very difficult for them. So one of the things we're trying to do within that 15-year missionary presence is to establish a permanent location. And we've taken some steps toward this. We began a fundraising campaign, and in that campaign, many have given towards my overseeing church, so that it can be collected, or if given online, you can do that if, if you'd like, crowdrise.com forward slash Cusco. You can go to that website and find information. You can talk with me afterwards. But let me just mention that many are sacrificing personally towards this goal. Some are here this morning, and I, I want to thank you, express my gratitude to you all who are giving monthly to this goal. So far, up until now, we have $450,000 pledged that's the key word, not given, but pledged towards this building program. We need more to be able to give regularly so that we can reach this goal. If you'd like to do that, you can talk with me afterwards. Let me mention goal number five, and then we'll look at John chapter one as we close. Goal number five is my favorite goal of the five in thinking about the work in Cusco. We must guide the Peruvians in establishing one additional congregation before the missionary presence leaves Cusco. So this is a church plant that will establish more congregations in the region of Cusco. And I like to put it this way. Our attitude is that the ultimate goal should not be a building, but rather a church planting movement in the region of Cusco. We're looking at making a regional impact with the gospel to where after the missionary presence leaves, there will be several congregations, or at least the idea of several congregations, perhaps uh, definitely more than one, as the goal mentions, but in the future, several congregations as a result of this initial church plant. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, but it needs to be done. This is a mission field that we're working with, and the church must be present there in the culture. These are a lot of goals, a lot of information, but a lot has been done as well in reaching out and establishing these goals and making sure that we're we're accomplishing what we set out to do. And as I've mentioned several times, moving the course from a probable to a preferred future, thinking about the kingdom work in Cusco. This is a difficult year, as I mentioned. We're... We're, I, I didn't mention, uh, Brother Ricky mentioned it earlier, 
But we're actually coming back and assembling this team. We're recruiting one more couple. And we're planning on uh, church planning in the U.S. I mentioned some statistics earlier about the need for church planning in the U.S. And so we're doing that with Gary and Jennifer Reeves, with Corinne Phineas, with one other couple. We're going to come back and work in a church plant in the U.S. We need more of that in the United States. We need more Christianity in the United States. We're losing our churches. And so please pray for us as we think about all these changes. There's a lot of Peruvian members that are confused and worried and concerned. Some of the missionaries as well. There's anxiety there in the church. And one thing we're preaching several times is that we must be light. There's a slide here that says, be light in Spanish. And this is something we preach in Cusco a lot. We must be light in everything that we do. And it's biblical. We looked at John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. John, the apostle, writes about Jesus in his great introduction. And he talks about Jesus, the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. Jesus is light. And we preach in Cusco, a missionary is not light. He merely reflects the light. Don't follow the missionary. Don't follow the older Peruvian brother or sister. Follow Jesus the light. We know Jesus is light. For that reason, when when Jesus came into the world, the world knew and experienced true light for the first time. And the light shone in darkness. For that reason, Jesus was crucified. What happened? It went dark. The whole world for several hours. What is that? Jesus is the light. He's the true light. He's the light of the world, as he said in John. He is the one who we follow to illuminate our lives. And so as Christians, we think about this promise, this hope, this salvation, this preferred future for us in Jesus Christ, the light. I think we could say this morning that there's darkness in our community. There's darkness in the world. There's ugliness and sin. There's there's dark things we try to hide. There's shame frustration, we could put all that away, stepping into the light, walking in the light, as John says later on. We could put all that aside in following Jesus, as he says here, becoming children of God. We can help you in any way. We invite you to come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.